Okay, Richard. So I realized that last week was a bit rough. I'd say 50% of the episodes we talked about were, were pretty good. And they were all Wesley all the time. Yeah. Not a lot of Wesley this week, which is <sighs> number one. Very good. Uh, but, you know, the show, I think, is 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 getting there. Yeah. It's really good at this point. Um, but that's not what's really important about this week. What's really important about this week? I'm glad you asked. Oh. Troy has a new outfit. And yeah, yeah, when she was dressed as a Vulcan. It's a turquoise dress with color-coordinated, name-matching boots. So basically, Troy is now dressing as her own action figure. I like it. Um, aside from that, Troy did not really have much to do in either one of these episodes. She kind of did something in one of them. Well, you know, okay, so let's talk about this. We had the Survivors up number one, and uh, I liked this I one liked this a lot. I this episode a lot. And Who Watches the Watchers is also really good. And that's one of my, actually one of my favorite episodes in The Next Generation. Okay. And, you know, I, I want to talk about the two episodes, obviously, because that's what we do on the show. Uh, if surprise, you're just coming in. Surprise, surprise. But I kind of want to get your thoughts or, 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 you know, your take on what happened to the show. Because it's really different suddenly. Yeah. And I can't figure out why. This is not, and the funny thing is, like, you know, these are not episodes what? that were written by people that hadn't written by the show before. Um, you know, is it is it just as simple as the fact that the showrunners left and Tracy Torme was no longer around? I mean, I, mean, I, could, I don't know. Both episodes, I mean, from a premise standpoint, were extremely strong. I mean, in the very first episode, the premise is there's this planet and everything except this one house and its backyard have been nuclear war obliterated what's going on that's fascinating this is i think that's what we call high concept episodes it's called high so both of these were very much more plot based uh than the show usually is but it was still keeping i mean i th- i would say this episode these episodes were very good plot episodes but they didn't lose sight of the characters it was good characters inside a good story i mean i feel like the episodes prior to here have either been a really interesting episode, but the character work wasn't quite there, or the characters were firing on all cylinders, but they weren't doing anything. In this, I, you have a bunch of people that we like by now, and that are all doing something, and that something is very interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, and I think that that crystallizes exactly what's going on because you know, like I said in a few you know a few episodes ago, uh, Michael Pillar becomes the showrunner. I think uh, for next week. So so he wasn't the, he wasn't the showrunner for these episodes. Okay. Um, they they had a showrunner in the, in the third season that only did I think like four or five episodes, and then Michael Pillar took over. Um, and and his thing was always again that you know he wanted to see character based drama. He wanted to yeah. see how the plot or the guest star of the week was going to um, interact with the characters and how that was going to affect them. And so you know I, I think what we're seeing is not his influence yet, but I think maybe you know to to a degree. Um, the 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 showrunner that was there, you know, only for a few episodes, was kind of doing that same thing. And you know, I don't want to, you know, it's it's almost like the show uh, is. I don't want I don't want to say that the show is, is is just kind of like it had to happen, right? Because I don't think it had to happen. I think the show still could have been really bad. But, Plenty of shows just never find their voice. Yeah, yeah. But but for all of its, you know, for all of its faults in the first two seasons, I think. Uh, you know, I just something happened. I don't know what it was. If it was a confluence of of, of many events, I think. It, but, I think, yeah, it feels like the episodes were just kind of wildly out of sync, and they just 
for whatever it, it, reason, they balanced it right now. Yeah, it's, it seems like the show, you know, the actors seem really engaged. The writing is very strong. You know, the direction is very good. I mean, even like to, to the degree that the music is, is, is different, it seems more dynamic. Um, I mean, I don't want to oversell it. I mean, I don't think that the show is like amazingly good, but it's it's definitely a show that knows what it is at this point. And, you know, I think The Survivors is a really good example of yeah. that. Because here you have an episode which uh, could have been done in the first two seasons, I think, definitely. Um, but it just would not have been very good because they would have made it about they, they would have made it about the mystery. Right. Yeah. And the mystery is not is not what's important here. The mystery is 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 how we get to the the heart of the episode, which is really about yeah. the characters. And, and, and what, yeah, what's interesting about this episode is not that this character is this basically God, but that he has a conscience and that he has a troubled conscience. And that like that, I think, is fascinating. The end, that character of what is he called? Um, oh, what was his name? Uh, uh, um, Kevin. Kevin. That character is a fascinating character just because he has this internal life that's so uh, turbulent. And I loved that. I loved that about it because – and I feel like a different show, maybe even the show in the first season or two, wouldn't have given this one-off character that we see – quite as much depth as it would have well i think that's really it right i think the fact of the matter is um hell look at the oil slick that killed tasha yar it's a very similar character in some ways and yet world difference yeah well i don't know that i well i mean i guess given I that given that it's a it's a character who has more or less unlimited power but who is exiled to this one area and you know is kind of an antagonist for I mean, what it feels are legitimate reasons, uh, and you know, they're, 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 they're obviously one is an out and out villain, one is a bit more complex than that. But I mean, I think that they do. The show has attained that kind of a little more gray shades. I mean, both of these episodes are fairly. They don't really have bad guys either of them. They have people who are making mistakes, who do the wrong things for good reasons or because of. You know, I mean, in both of these episodes, characters make major mistakes just because their passions take them into a into a horrible direction in a way. Well, I think it's interesting, right? Because, you know, I, I, I agree with you that Kevin is not a villain, um, you know, even though we find out at the end of the episode that, that he basically, uh, you know, murdered, you know, committed genocide, uh, you know, in a sense. Um, not, not even in a sense. I mean, he did, uh, although we're only supposed to take his word for it, of course, but I, I don't get any sense of the episode no, supposed no... to, to say that he's lying or that he's misdirecting us for any reason. Um, you know, and, and, and I think it's interesting because you look at this episode and you see an episode, which, you know, if it had been done in the first season, it would have been about this mystery. It would have been about what exactly happened to these people. You know, why are they still alive? And the show, th- this episode really sidesteps that it's really about, um, Picard's what you know it's interesting because I think Picard is getting this characterization that he's very single-minded in figuring mm. out something and he likes mystery I mean we know he likes mysteries yeah. because of the Dixon Hill stuff but Picard is becoming this very hard-nosed character but it's in service of helping people it's not in service of his own ego oh yeah and 
I think you see this in this episode a lot because he's really bothered by the fact that uh, he doesn't know what's going on. He's really bothered by the fact that Kevin keeps telling him to go away. And he he can kind of sense that something is off here, but he's not sure what. And at the end of the day, he's right. Yeah, and I like that he figures out a lot of it, but he doesn't figure out everything on his own. But there comes an exact point when he just figures, like, I know exactly what to do. I don't—and, you know— I feel like an earlier episode or Kirk would have spent some time explaining, well, I think that Kevin has something to do with this because of this and because of the, it's like at that point, Picard's like, no, we just, I, he's really very much springs into action and he says, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, this is how we're addressing this because Picard knows what he's doing. He didn't become captain of the Enterprise for no reason. And I mean, he doesn't need his, it's interesting to see when Picard doesn't need to have a conference. Yeah, and I think, you know, you know, kind of on a on a more meta level than that, I think it's interesting because I think this episode really respects the audience in yeah. a way that that the first two seasons of Star Trek the Next Generation didn't and and in the way that like the best the best Star Trek usually does the best TV, really. Yeah, the, be- the best well the media, you know, Yeah, in in general, in general respects your audience. And so I, I think, yeah, you know, if we had had Picard running around and saying, I think it's Kevin, I think he did this, I think he did that. The the fact that, you know, Picard never says that, the fact that Picard doesn't really tell anybody what he's thinking, you know, the fact that he kind of is um, is just doing things that seem a little bit off or a little bit sort of like, why is he so interested in this? But it it it's dependent on on the writer of this episode saying you know no i'm going to let the audience figure this out i'm going to let the audience go from point a to point c and yeah at the end of the day i think it works because we have seen picard for two seasons and we know his character and we know that he's not going to be unfair yeah and like i said picard doesn't know everything i think that you know the revelation of what exactly kevin is Picard could not have told, you know, anyone that before he explained it. I'm sure if, you know, somebody had asked point blank, you know, Picard, what's your theory? Well, I think he's some kind of a, you know, a being who has a men, you know, like he would go along that lines, but he wouldn't end the, end the revelation that he's killed this entire alien race is a complete shock to him. And I also think it's really um, indicative of something else, which is that it's a, it's a nice take on a Star Trek cliche. Because of yeah. course, the the the, the all powerful being uh, yeah. is is definitely a Star Trek cliche. I mean, we've seen Trelane, we've seen the Metrons, we've seen Q, uh, you know, all sorts of things throughout Star Trek. And you know what I what I like about the survivors and what I like about the character of Kevin is that he is an all powerful being that is an arrogant. And no. that's something that we haven't really seen before. This is this is an all powerful being that that has humility, that knows that he messed up, that has guilt. That I don't think it's I don't think it's it's incidental to the episode that the episode is called the Survivors, right? Because I think yeah. in a, in a way it's about Kevin's survivors' guilt. Yeah, and you know he has these things where he says, "Oh, I didn't fight. I don't want to fight." You know, he's a pacifist, basically. I mean, because you can, and, and I think that's really interesting because he is a creature of great conscience and. You know, he is somebody who has limited his own power because he could be, you know, anyone looks at him cross-eyed, he could just erase their entire history, you know, and he 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 has basically told himself that there is no level that is acceptable of this, you know. Yeah, and I think to a large degree, he realizes that it's very easy for him to lose control. and, and, and what, Which what... is what happens, you know, the second, you know, and 
you know, I, I, I what I love. What I love about that is because this 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 the, what are, what are, what were the aliens called um, the who snack the who snack ooh snack yeah um you know we 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 not, are not their best name we are led to believe that Hoobastank is this you know horrible evil race that the galaxy is probably a little better off without their them around you know they probably are just going war and conquering and this is what they do to planets and yet. The fact that Maybe, he, but I mean, you know, I, I would say, I, I, it's the fact that he kills every single one of them is one of the most horrifying things that anybody has confessed on this show, on this in this franchise. It's and the fact that he, I mean, I think it's really interesting how at the end, like when he leaves, they basically how how much more can they punish him? Right, you know what I mean. He is, he is, he knows exactly what he's done, and, and this is, is really, and this is really an episode that understands the the limits of that as well. Yeah, because Picard says, "Look, I, I don't, I don't know how we would punish you. Yeah, we, we're not equipped to deal with this." Uh, you know, if if you go back, let's go back to Encounter at Farpoint, right, where the first episode of the show was all about Picard proving to an omnipotent being that they were ready to to go out further into the galaxy. And in this episode, it's almost the reverse. It's it's the omnipotent being saying, "I'm not ready for this." You, you know, and and Picard, there is yeah, there and, is always something that no matter. I mean, because I, I I mean maybe they're omnipotent being whatever, but maybe omnipotence can't exist in the Star Trek universe. Because what well, what do you mean by that? I I, I guess you know, be. be See, I think if you have omnipotence, if you have a truly divine being, let's say you have God, let's say you have God, everything is centered around the, like that. That is the center of the universe in a way. You know, all more if there is if there is a divine figure, if there is a God, then morality is centered on that God. Morality is based on that God, and this is it saying that. Well, no. Even if this guy is God, he can't determine what's right or what's wrong. You know what I mean? Just having. The, just having all of the power in the world doesn't give you the right to decide the fate of another species. Well, yeah, and I think I think take that a step further. Yeah. I think that that Star Trek is about divorcing omnipotence from the divine. Yeah, like I, Star Trek is a universe where the divine doesn't exist. He, exactly, you know, and he ha- Star Trek Five, notwithstanding. But well, I mean, I I think they even make it clear that you know the god being is just a really, really, really powerful thing, right? You know, and. Effectively, it may be a god, and I mean, this is this we'll talk into it in the next episode, certainly. But you know, it it also posits that there are. I mean, put Kevin and the god being and the oil slick in a room together. You know, they the, each of them may be the most powerful being that they'll ever meet, but the three of them, you know, one of them might be more powerful than the other. You know, the oil slick might kick the god being's ass. Like that could happen. You know, I I. I so there is – they may be omnipotent, but there is no absolute here. Yeah, I guess that can be. I mean, I you know, and, and I think to to a degree the the omnipotence of any of these sort of all-powerful beings in Star Trek is a function of plot more than yes. anything else. And Again, if, it, when I want to hear omnipotent, I hear effectively omnipotent. Right. And, and, and also we don't – we don't know 
right? If they're if they're actually, I mean, I don't think Kevin ever says that he's omnipotent. I think that's something that we're sort of you know implying. Um, that's something that Q has certainly said about himself. But who knows? His Q is also very arrogant. Q yeah. is arrogant. Q is Q is a liar. I yeah, mean, you know, these are things that are Q does not admit to weaknesses. Right, exactly. And so there, there's a degree to which even even Kevin is sort of like the the anti Q. You know, he's the opposite of Q in every respect. And uh, I I don't know. I don't know what exactly Kevin thought the end game here was going to be. You know, I think in a way, you know, the, the episode leaves him on this planet basically because Picard realizes that there's no punishment that he can give him that, yeah. that, that isn't going to be something that he's punishing himself for. I mean, because, you know, we haven't really talked about his wife, but well, I, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's not incidental that the question of whether or not, he's actually you know giving her life again is i mean it's a hollow deck question really he's, well is i mean you she's know, kind of a minuet in a way she's she she's alive and she's not alive and you know they they say that she has her own mind and they say that she has her own personality and she's her own, she's her own person but you know, is is Kevin actually recreating her in every respect? Is, is is he actually bringing her back to life? Is this a is this a very very very, uh, you know, uh, 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 complex semaculum? I, I don't know. I mean, I would say that the fact that he at the end when they you know they finally you know admit and reveal that she's whatever you know the fact that he you know she disappears instantly. Suggests that he isn't bringing her back to life because I don't think he would kill her. I think he's just dispelling an illusion. I mean, before and you know there is something incredible, right? But I think, but 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 the illusion, but but even if she's an illusion, it doesn't necessarily mean that she's not her own person. Do you know what no, I mean? No, again, I think she's about as much. I, I maybe more so because you know we don't have to deal with processing power. But again, the same issues with her are the same issues we deal with when we're dealing with Minuet, when we're dealing with the big goodbye. Like that's the. The show doesn't, you know, the show never figures it out. And, you know, the show is fine with the characters admitting that they don't know, which I like very much yeah. about it. I yeah. I like that the show is willing to say there are no answers for some of these things. It's impossible to know the answers to these things. You can only speculate. Um, but, yeah, so, I, I, I mean, I think it's about she's – as, she's as real as Minuet is, I would say. I, I think that's fair. And yeah. what, you know, what that means – listen to the minuet episode for you know our take on that but um i mean i it, there's something incredibly poignant because he's done this wrong thing he has destroyed this race and he his own people are dead and his wife is dead and he's just kind of his he's almost exiling himself by saying all right i'm just gonna live off this existence with this kind of sham of my wife you know the person i loved and now that he's met mccard and he's had to admit to his crime really you can't even really have that. I mean, it's so – it would feel I, – I don't think he can even fool himself anymore about that, you know, and – Yeah, there's a degree to which he was lying to himself. Yeah, and, and I think he was uncomfortably but all right doing it at the first part. But yeah, now that's gone out the window again. Not only does Picard not have the jurisdiction to punish him, not only does he not have the ability to really punish him, 
you know, because, you know, put, let's say we put him in jail, you know, it's only Kevin's desire to stay in that jail, you know? Well, that's, and it's also redundant. That's kind of the, that's kind of the interesting question of the episode though, at the end is that, you know, he's not, he's not evil. He's not vindictive. And I think the fact that he, I mean, you know, that we haven't talked about this sort of, of, of subplot of, of Troy hearing this, this music box music and going insane yeah. because he gave her this music because, you know, he says that they, she was turning to sense who he really was or whatever. Um, and, you know, he, he does, Picard lets him go and Picard says, no, he's going to, he's yeah. going, let's see where he goes. Let's see what he does. And he does go to Troy and, and, and he does, yeah, he Picard does heal even, her. Picard, but, I think, tr- I think Picard trusts Kevin once he you know, realizes the game is up and, you know, he, Picard recognizes that he's not evil and he recognizes that he is going to do the right thing, you know? No, I think so. I like that. But I think, you know, Picard realizes that, you know, because Picard could arrest him and I think Picard could put him on trial for war crimes. Right. Yeah. And I think that Kevin would have gone along with that. I don't think that he would have fought it because what we've seen of him in the episode is someone who is, is, is comfortable with his, comfortable being limited in a way. And someone who has who does have a conscience and who would yeah. not welcome that but would allow it. Um, but I think what Picard realizes is that, number one, it's not their place to do it. They mm-hmm. don't have the right to do it. And also, it takes away the choice of Kevin to feel guilty. Because yeah. if, if, if they make an effort to to put him on trial and make an effort to put him in jail that is that is allowing kevin in a way to to ignore what he's done and the 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 stronger and 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 perhaps more terrifying answer is let him do what he wants to do and he's going to have to live with that guilt yeah you know for for eternity as I mean, far as we know i i think the episode also you know, it kind of implies that, you know, this was just Kevin being utterly irrational. You know, there was no, it's, you know, him saying. Or, I or, or being incredibly rational. I don't know. I think the way, the way at least it's. It's, 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 it, it seems irrational, right? The way it's, it's, it's presented seems... in the show, his wife has died and just in this moment of, I mean, we have had, you know, moments where you're just so pissed at somebody, you know, and you just wish cancer upon them, you know. And and that's just an angry thought. That's an ugly thought in our heads. But, you know, we have no ability to do that. He he I mean the the implication is that he is so angry at this species, upset about the death of his wife, upset as, at his wife for fighting, upset at himself for not protecting his people, terrified, you know, sad for you know, that he's dealing with all of this, that it just he gets so upset that he in a, he momentarily extinguishes this entire race, you know, and again, effectively omnipotent, you know, what, whatever the limits of his power, he can remotely kill everybody, you know, he can affect the entire galaxy. Yeah. So it's really, re- you know, you know, but yeah, like that, that's something that probably he regretted the second he did it. But there's a degree to which I think it's interesting. Number one, that he can't take it back, which if you're talking about limits, I mean, that's, that, that's probably one of his big limits. You mean that he, he, he can't de- take it he, back. He decides not to take it back. No, I, I would assume if he could take it back, he would have. Hmm. I don't know about that. I'm not sure. I don't know. You think that but, somebody who regrets their action that much and has the ability to undo it, to make it as well, if, if it you, never happened? If you, if you look at him as being someone who is, is values self-control over anything else, right? Um, look at it this way. Uh, 
the fact that he's a pacifist is not incidental. The fact that he refuses to fight is not yeah. incidental. And I do like the fact that Picard says, oh, look, at this is your protected right. And, you know, it's kind of this thing that, you know, this very sort of like uh, 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 lovey-dovey sort of, yeah, we, you know, <laughs> pacifism, yay. Um, look at it that way. Look at the fact that once his wife dies, he does this horrible thing. Um but I think if you look at it in terms of self-control, what you see is is a person who uh, could do anything he wants to do. He he could bring them all back, but he doesn't because he's almost paralyzed with with uncertainty about what that would do and what that would mean. And you know, I I don't I don't get the sense from the episode that 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 he's prepared to he's he's prepared to not do that because he realizes that he did it and the fact that he did it is 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 important enough for him to realize that um the guilt that he feels would not go away by fixing this and there's a degree to which i don't think that he really feels like he could fix it i guess it's yeah it doesn't matter of interpretation like i said just because you do something doesn't mean you can take it back i mean yeah and i think i think it's beyond his ability to i don't know i don't don't know know. i think it is i think it's a stronger character choice for 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 him to say you know what i I could do it but i am so i want to be in control of what i do at all times and you know the fact of the matter is um he could bring them all back but he doesn't because he realizes that he did do it and He's so he so wants to be in 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 self control of himself at all times that you know he realizes that he would still feel guilty and and it wouldn't solve anything you know in in, in a certain way it's 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 almost like you know in a way it's almost like the prime directive and it's almost like the federation saying we don't know what the unintended consequences of our actions are so we're not going to do them this is almost like the the worst example of that ever but i mean and, I, I i feel like there's a difference and look between at, and, making and, and, and an bring, action and undoing an action and bring this up with with who watches the watchers as well because they do this thing unintentionally and everything that they try and do to fix it makes it worse so i think that if it was in his power to to do it, he would probably do it. But he realizes that, you know, whether or not he can actually do it is sort of incidental. I think the 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 you know the answer to that question is is ultimately unknowable. But I think that the fact of the matter is the fact that he can't do it or he can do it. It's it it still would have been done. I don't know. Maybe. And and that's what's important there is that it was done. Yeah, and that's fair. But I mean, the I feel like his atonement means less if he's active. See, it's one thing to in a burst of passion destroy destroy these aliens. It's another if, in the sense of self control, to refuse to fix something. Like I think that's more of a deliberate inaction, and I think that is more of a I I. I I don't know. It, it feels like choosing not to clean up his mess in a way. Maybe. I mean, but I mean, but, but uh, look- let, let me put it this way. If he could, you know, if he could bring back the dead to life, why didn't he just, you know, bring back the planet after they attacked, you know? Well, that's the thing. I think that he, why, why didn't he fight them off in the first place? I mean, you know, these are questions that, you know, his motivations are so different from from yeah. the, the motivations that, that the show has for the other characters. And, yeah. and even the motivations that we have as humans, is, it's just, it's unknowable. I mean, you know, why, why didn't he just make them go away? I don't know. He seems to value his his 
human limited existence in a certain way. And he doesn't want to violate that for whatever reason, because of love for his wife, because he he's, he's enjoying being human. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But I think that, you know, he feels really guilty. I mean, it's almost in a way like, you know, he could feel like he lost control, not because he killed all these people, but because he, he violated the rules of the game he was playing about yeah. being a human. I mean, he does say, like, I gave up my powers to marry her, basically, you know. But he didn't give them up. He well, just, you he know. He just stopped using them, which I think is interesting. Which, I, what's really funny, though, is this is kind of an inversion of the fantastic comedy. You know, this is, so. I mean, you know about the feminist critique of, like, Bewitched and uh, I Dream of Genie is that you have the, it's it's a response to the women's lib and the feminist movements of saying, you know, women are powerful, yes, but all they really want to do is serve their husbands. You know, all Samantha Stevens wants to do is just be a good housewife. All Jeannie wants to do is, you know, please the major, you know, and all of that. So, I mean, in this way, like, this is kind of, you know, well, I'm going to be normal for my wife. I think it's funny that, you know, that is where this is going. But, I mean, this, their life together would be a 60s sitcom like that, in a way. You yeah. know, he wants to, you know... You know what? What's her name? Rashawn. You know, is all like, "Honey, mow the lawn." He's like, "All right." You know, he waits till he leaves, and he, you know, he wiggles his nose, and it's cut. You know, so he can just enjoy a beer. Like, yeah, that, that's I think what that would be. I mean, but either way, you know, yeah, he does. You know, that is why he stays a pacifist. That is why he doesn't shield the planet, or why he doesn't. You know, I don't know. He could have done any one of a number of things to even just deflect them. You know, maybe he just gives them some navigational problems and they have to go back home. Like, there could be – he could do this indefinitely without hurting anybody. Right, you right. Know, he could cloak their planet. He could – I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He could do any number yeah. of things, really, but he doesn't. Yeah. But this is what he does, and yeah. it's, it's horrible. Yeah, again, because it's – but it's not done rationally. Again, it's just – I see it done in this moment of just anger and hatred. And irrationality. Doesn't it feel good to be talking about good Star Trek again? Yeah. I'll give this one seven who snacks. Okay. I'll give it seven and a half because I like a lot of snacks. All right. Let's move on to our second episode for this week. Who watches the Watchers? Which is, like I said before, one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. I, you know, I felt there were parts to it and i won't be able to exactly point out which ones but like there are parts that i didn't enjoy as much of others but as a whole i did love this episode very much and i think the i think it's one of the more interesting takes on the prime directive it's one of the more interesting species that we've seen a violation of the prime directive on because you know you know i mean it's it's a very interesting take on vulcans in this episode it's a very like i thought this was and it's it is one of those where they take a situation and they do kind of tease it out into every one of its logical conclusions. I loved all of the characters in this. Um, I mean, you have the main one, this, uh, you know, so you have the Ray Wise character, you have his daughter, and you have this other woman who's, you know, the leader of that. And they're all really interesting characters in there, right? Um, they all interact with the crew in an interesting way. I think. While Troy spends most of the episode, you know, Troy, Troy will put to the side, but everybody else gets to do something. And I like the episodes where everyone gets to do something. 
You know, even if it's as simple as just Jordy fixes the reactor at the beginning. You know, it it it, it is good when you remi- when you're reminded that this is a team and they all have their specialties. You know, and even. Even Troy at the beginning when she's on the planet and she does know these people and she does know kind of how to, you know, move in their society a little bit. She's able to intuit that. I do like that. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, you know, one of the stronger things about the episode is the fact that, that the, 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 you know, ensemble is used well. And I think everybody is used appropriately except for Wesley, who's not in this episode and really who cares. So he is used appropriately. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and I think it's it's it's. I think it's profoundly, you know, there, there's a lot of different tacks you can take with this episode. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, which areas we're going to talk about, you know, because I think you could probably talk about this episode for, for an hour. Um, and frankly, I just, who, who wants to hear us prattle on about that for an hour? Um, let, let's do a two hour episode. To the Trek about. <laughs> let's do a two hour, two hour episode of Trek about. Uh, but I think, a good place to start is this question of 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 the Vulcans and the Mintakans, right? Because yeah. there, you know, I've I've read criticisms of this episode that say that it doesn't make any sense that the proto Vulcans, you know, as a concept, it doesn't make any sense because you know what we know of Vulcans is that they have very, 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 very strong emotions yeah, that, that that sort of cloud their judgment, and they have to uh, they they have to sort of like you know learn to not feel emotions and become this rational being because the alternative is just nuclear holocaust yeah and we were told that probably around this i mean when when was that chaotic time in the vulcan before what's his name there was that one, uh yeah. it would have been like probably thousands of years ago but you know uh, before i mean in, in the stage of development so this would have been these people were more advanced or less advanced than Sarok's time i would assume more advanced okay no less advanced sorry Okay, I mean, so, I mean, part of that could just be we're not seeing them at the violent stage yet. And part of them is, I mean, I do get the sense that, you know, they say proto-Vulcans, but culturally maybe they just don't have as strong of emotions. We don't see them as repressed as, you know, normal Vulcans today we see. Um, They do seem to have a bit more of a personality in a way. They do seem to be a bit more emotional, but at the same time, they are fairly calm. Well, I think it's I think it's I think it's a fundamental misunderstanding of Vulcans to say that they don't have personalities. And I also think, you know, and I also think that this is really the next generation doing Vulcans for the first time. And they're not Vulcans because, you know, they decided not to have Vulcans, basically. I mean, they stayed away from doing a lot of the alien races that were prevalent in the original series for, for good reason, because they wanted to yeah. make the show stand on its own two feet. And, you know, that's why they didn't have the Romulans in, in the show at the beginning, you know, for example. And so the, 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 the problem I have with the concept of the proto-Vulcans is, is not really that they don't understand Vulcans or that they sort of, you know, because it, it's it's... It's fine to me to have a planet that kind of looks like Vulcans and kind of acts like Vulcans because we've seen so many other planets that have people that look exactly yeah. like humans oh, yeah. and act like humans. It doesn't bother me. To, you know, That's just something that, that you have to understand for, for, for Star Trek. If you're not going to like that, then you're not going to like Star Trek. Um, I think what, what my issue with this is really is that uh, it, it it discounts the the work and it discounts the you know uh, uh, uh ability of vulcans to 
take control of their own of their own destiny in a way and it says that this was just a natural evolution this was a natural outgrowth and this was always going to happen to Vulcans I don't think that's true um certainly you could say that the Mintakins have they they say at one point that they have well-ordered minds you know Troy says something about their emotions and so obviously they do still have emotions yeah um I mean what I think the implication here could could just be that the Mintakins did have their violent period, but it happened at a time when they weren't able to destroy themselves wholeheartedly. Yeah. And so they, they were able to get across that and they were able to get over that hump. And now they're, they're, you know, able to regulate their emotions without masking them. But, you know, I just, I don't like the reading of Vulcans as, 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 you know, a species which always was going to be like this. Because I think one of the more interesting things about the Vulcans is that they always do have this undercurrent of really strong emotion that they are constantly having to, to, you know, to fight. Um, And there's not a Vulcan in this episode. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's my one problem with this episode is that I do think it discounts the Vulcans a little bit. But I mean, and I mean, to a degree, it could have even, I mean, we're, you know, the, the Romulans and the Vulcans, it says, are kind of offshoots of the same species. Maybe they could have even been like, well, this was the, you know, this is the third offshoot of that same base. Like, maybe that makes a little more sense. And, you know, so it's okay if they're different from Vulcans, you know, and Romulans, even though they're very similar. Enough. Well, interestingly enough, I think they look more like Romulans than they do like yeah. Vulcans because they've got the, the, the head, you know, the, the forehead piece and everything um, that the Romulans developed uh, some sometime between the yeah. original series <laughs> and then the next generation. Uh, but I think it's... I think it was I think it was a strong choice to make them Vulcans because or to make them sort of proto Vulcans in a way because well, it does allow for the show to shortcut some of the more you know world building that they would have had to have done. And to a degree, it's interesting that a Vulcan type species is the one who is dealing with all of this. Well, yeah, I think that's, you have, that's what I mean. I mean, yeah. you have a few different reactions to it, but for anybody to be, for any species to be in, uh, to encounter one that is much more advanced than they are, it's interesting that some of them think it's a God and the others are, are able to understand. Like once you're told, once you're told that, you know, once I was told that there were Vulcans and a breach of the prime directive, I knew this episode would end with them explaining who they were and the and the and this the Mintakins being able to get it, you know, they would they would understand that. I think it's interesting even how their this religion that's developing in this episode is kind of logically, you know, arrived at logically. You know, uh, uh, Ray Wise says, "Oh, well, I've seen this," and you know, everybody else is saying, "Well, that's you know." That, that, you know, that must have been mistaken because of this, this, and this, you right. know, and that's so all, you know, and we don't believe that anymore. And they have a very strong awareness of their own culture and their own history, which, again, seems like a very Vulcan thing, you know, for them to understand all of that. And yet when he, when they're confronted with evidence that there is somebody who answers to the name that Picard was looking for, then that, you know, that to them confirms it. And they say, well, logically, God must exist. You know, I think the... I think the hardest part of this episode is that they logically found the existence of God in a way, you know. Troy can't say, you know, Troy's attempts to dissuade them 
don't work because the logic is so much stronger than her arguments. Well, and I think, you know, in a, in a way, it if you look at it from the point of view that they they had these beliefs in the past and they 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 were very logical about it and they said well there's no evidence for any of this and so obviously this is not true and then they are st- but there there's still a, a species of people that are at bronze age in their technology yeah. um you know they they don't have a good understanding of, of the universe or how science works and so when, when they're encountered, I mean, I'd with, say they have a good but an incomplete understanding, and they have a lot of holes. You know, yeah, absolutely. And I think you know when, when they encounter uh, a, a situation which they don't really know how to explain, what they do is they go back and say, "Okay, well, we used to believe something like this, and so oh, maybe this is the evidence that we were missing all of those years, right?" Yeah. And 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 suddenly, okay, well, there's evidence for this now, and so we're going to believe this as opposed to you know what yeah. what is actually the case which is of course that the picard is just a guy and 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 you know et cetera, et cetera, right I, I mean we are dealing with clark's law here i mean to a degree what is the difference between picard and a god if picard wanted to be well he even says that yeah you know? yeah and if he wanted to be a god if he was he a, uses so i think he uses the term magic but yeah know, yeah yeah i mean when yeah and, and you know it, it and it's you know let's think let's talk about you know, beings, you know, limiting themselves. Picard really does have this prime directive where he's limiting himself and he's not able to, you know, Picard is physically capable of conquering this planet by just, you know, saying, hey, worship me. And there he would get no protest from anybody, but he doesn't. He knows it's the wrong thing to do. It is his conscience that, you know, stops that. Yeah, and I think you know it's it's funny because you know the very beginning of the episode starts with with their duck blind uh, yeah. mal- malfunctioning and a guy leaping out of the window, which seemed odd to me. Uh, but all right, you, <laughs> have, you have to get the episode going somehow. And you know, it it really doesn't. You know the 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 prime directive aspect of it where it's inadvertently broken. You know, no yeah. one no one meant to do it. No, it's a total and, fluke, total accident. Right. If, if, the, if the Enterprise had been 10 minutes faster, this episode would not have happened. You right. Know, they had... And so what I, what I think is interesting about it is it, 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 it adds a layer onto the Prime Directive where it says, okay, um, we, don't, we don't violate the Prime Directive, but if, if the Prime Directive is violated inadvertently or not, um, we, we have to take steps to mitigate the damage. Which is something that I don't think the show has yeah. really said before or done before. The Prime Directive has always been this very, you know, strong thing. We don't do stuff. I mean, Picard, I mean, talk about Picard as the hard Oh, ass. yeah. You know, where, where you know, Beverly says when, when the Ray Weiss character gets injured and she beams yeah. him up to the ship. And, 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 you know, she says, well, what did you want me to do? You know, and he says, well, I actually wrote it down. He said, then why didn't you let him die? Yeah. You know, like, like, and you get you get the sense that if Picard had his way... You know, Ray Wyatt would have died. The daughter would have come back and found him dead. And she would have had this crazy story about this, you know, I saw these men and I saw, you know, this woman and, you know, there was all this light and, you know, but they wouldn't have, you know, the father, you know, the, the, the Ray Wise would have not have gotten back and not have known the name Picard and all of that. You and know? I, yeah. And I think that's very true. And I think Beverly did violate the prime directive there. And look what happened. This is, you know, in, in effect, this is an episode which says the prime directive is here for a reason. But in a way, this there is, is what, a... you know, this, this is what happens when you do, when you do something and you don't know what the consequences are going to be. But I think the episode, and this is why we have this rule. The episode goes out of its way to show what a clusterfuck this scenario was though because of the other person um 
the other guy who does get uh, thrown out of the window, you know, and who does get found. Because even if, you know, Beverly hadn't broken the Prime Directive, they still would have found him. They still would have wondered who this guy was. They yeah, still... sure, but they're not going to make a leap and say, oh, he's a god or, oh, he's an alien or whatever. No, I mean, but... they would have just said, well, I don't know who, what, I don't know what he is. You know, we don't know. We don't know who he is. They probably would have just had him hang out. He would have, you know. And, of course, yes, we assume that he's trained enough that he wouldn't have said anything. He would have feigned more of an amnesia or I'm a traveler from a distant land or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, you know. And and that that is a fair point. So I mean, is this all on Beverly then? Yeah, I think so. I and, mean, I think in a way it is, you know, because Beverly's decision to to exercise her her Hippocratic oath by 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 helping this man um, did in effect. Yeah, but remember that she is really dealing with two masters. Then um, she is dealing with the fact that as a doctor, she has to save everybody who comes into her care and at that point he is in her care i mean she she's either violating the prime directive or her oath as a doctor and you know the doctor is the one that she chooses and you know when she's talking to me she doesn't even give the implication that she thinks that she read the wrong decision but talk about you know talk about vulcans let's go with spock's classic line which is always the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and in this case Violating the prime directive was much more damaging to a larger degree, you know, a larger number of people than letting this one man die. And so it was the logical choice to let him die. At the same time, I don't, you know, there, there, there is a lot that's an advert, you know, the fact that he wakes up in the sick bay and hears the name Picard is inadvertent as well. I mean, there are. A lot of things happen just But again, but again, you're forgetting that's what the point of the prime directive is. Yes, of course. Is that we do, you know, we don't know you what don't the know. unintended consequences are going to be. And so this is just I mean again, it's a perfect storm, right? Yeah. This is like you said, this is a clusterfuck of an episode. Like things happen, they happen, they happen, they happen. You know, you've yeah. got this one thing happen, then you've got this other thing happen, then you've got Riker and Troy, then you've got this, then okay, they're going to kill Troy, then at the end of the episode you have Picard being shot with an arrow. And yeah. it's like I I didn't think they would shoot him. Like I, I, I knew he wouldn't die, but I, I was, I, I thought that you know he was gonna lower the bow, you know, like a, that. I, I liked that. But in a way, I think it, it, it was the only way for the episode to end, yeah. really, because you know, Picard was able to get through to, uh, to what's her name, um, Noreen, Nuria, Nuria. Um, Noreen. <laughs> I also like the fact that it didn't bother to come up with like different names for Riker and Troy. They're just like, I'm Troy and he's Riker. Like that doesn't sound okay. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's like you meet someone, on, you meet someone on the street and they're like, my name is Slislack. I'm like, <laughs> what? Um, well, I mean, we're in Greenpoint. If someone said that, I wouldn't bat an eye. True. Uh, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, Nuria is able to be convinced, you know, ostensibly because Picard is, is just that great. Um, and, and he does fail at it too, which I like. I would say it's not until she sees, she sees an actual demonstration that no, he can't even save his own people. Right. Right. And this is, and this is really interesting too, is that, you know, death is a very big part of this episode. And, and in a way this episode is about the mysteries that cannot be solved. And death is the one mystery that really the Federation has not solved. And Starfleet has not solved and humanity is not solved. And Picard says that in effect. But you know who solved it? The Vulcans. Yeah, I guess so. The only time we've seen anybody in the Star Trek universe actually come to life, and we're not talking about a clinical death that they, you know, jump-started a hard on or anything like that. Like, the the one time someone is... They, at, they did a what now? I mean, we're not seeing... They jump-started a what? A heart. 
Oh, okay. What did you think I said? I thought you said jump started a hard on. No. And I thought you were going in a completely different direction no. that I did not want to go down. So no, I'm glad no, you, you did not say that. I don't want you to go down either. Ah. Um, change the subject. No, no. Like this, you know, we've, we've seen times like someone's like sort of died or been like in this case, you know, Ray Wise was probably on the brink of death. And if, you know, Dr. Crusher weren't, you know, didn't have, you know, 20 millionth century technology, you know, he would have died, you know, but the only time we've seen a character actually die and be dead for a while and then come back has been Spock. That's true. That's true. And I, I do think it's interesting that we don't have any sense. The Mentakins are supposed to be telepathic, like the Vulcans, for example. Yeah. Um, and, and there is a sense to which like, you know, his wife died last year and that's something that affect him very much. The fact that Picard says at the end of the episode that the only thing that will convince him that he's not a God is for for him to be killed. They want to kill Troy. They want to kill Palmer. Like the, you know, the, the, the motif here is of death and the motif here is like, this is the logical outcome of what you're talking about, right? Like if you create this religion, if you do this, you know, even the guy, the, the scientist in, in the one scene, he's like, you're going to have inquisitions. You're going to have this, you're yeah. going to have the other thing. And this is going to be really, really bad. And so for, for whatever reason, death is the one thing that convinces all of them that they're not all powerful. I, you know, well, death is the, I mean, all most, if not all religions are based on the fact that we die. Like right, that, that's right. why religion exists to come up with the answer of the mystery of death. You know, it's the only thing that can, adequately quote-unquote deal with that and i do yeah and i think you know it it it, i I think that's a good point because it factors into to the religion that the mintakans are developing right they they say that they used to have this religion that like the sun or whatever you know was was kind you know because that's how religion starts right you try you try to explain natural phenomenon and then they were able to explain natural phenomenon well what natural phenomenon can't they explain what's left death yeah and so that you know they they create this religion based on death in effect and 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 that is the one thing that is you can't fight against see and, this and there's is why no, and I there's think no that way heaven to... can't undo death because i think this uh, again since we've only seen spock come back i think it's i think death is a very is kind of one of the few one-way doors in the star trek universe it could be it could like, be like i i think unless you're doing this extraordinarily complex you know, series of events that have to be done in a very specific way. You know, you need to, you know, project your katra. You need to make sure it's someone you trust. You need to, you know, find a vessel for it. You know, you need to do all of these things. Spock only really comes back by accident. You know, it, it's things happen to be aligned in a way. Yeah. And, you know, even and we're even told in that episode, this isn't something that happens every day. It has no living Vulcan can remember it. It's so far back that it's even... You know, it's considered just as much of a legend in a way. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, I did, I did like one of the things I liked the Pulaski technique. I thought that you know uh, the implication that if Pulaski had been on here's something interesting. If Pulaski had been on the ship, now she definitely would have made this the same decision that Doctor Crusher did. Yeah, but she would because because while I'm watching this episode, I kept thinking, well. They already erase someone's mind, you know, why don't they just, you know, why is breaking a prime direct, well, the implication then is that it is, Pulaski's probably one of the few people who can do it, and maybe that's why she's not on the Enterprise anymore, maybe she's developing that technique further, maybe they kind of, maybe the Federation is realizing how important, like, erasing someone's memory could be. It's something that I think the franchise does more and more of. Um, so yeah, maybe. And I, and I think, you know, there's a degree to which 
mention that you know there's a degree to which the the, the continuity of, of, of it is interesting because you know this is not a show that that's very heavy no. on continuity but you and know, that's the it only is, time that Pulaski's even been mentioned it is a, it, it is a late 80s early 90s drama yeah. at this point um but yeah, this is this is the one time that Pulaski is mentioned after she left the show, and I don't think that she's ever mentioned again. Um, and so, the implication, of course, is that if if Pulaski had been on the ship, then perhaps there would have been no episode either, yeah. right? Because the the memory wipe would have held, and everything would have been fine. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. You know, the daughter would have said again, "We saw these lights, but with no." evidence it would have gone to nothing right and, right they you know it just got to yeah it would have you know and he would have said yeah i you know fell i blacked out and saying so, you know it would be this thing that they would never understand and they would and you know something would happen so there would be an i mean no matter what some damage was done to this culture yes because you know then they would have had a really weird ex- but it would have been a weird thing that happened to two people yeah and i think you know there's a there's a degree to which you know picard's unwillingness to go and and fix this to the degree that he he has to i think is 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 you know there's 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 a funny thing here where picard isn't taking the easy path and and the the scientist wants to like give them commandments which is very strange uh you know and there's a degree to which like picard realizes that the prime directive is not absolute in a way which is strange because he needs to fix this and he realizes that he needs to fix it but he needs to come up with a way that is going to honor the prime directive and it's yeah and it seems like the way to honor the prime directive is to completely break it um but it's it's almost it's almost this idea that you know, if if the prime directive is violated, and and if the existence of 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 the federation is is given to people that aren't ready for it, um, the answer is not well. Let's try and convince them that we are actually not what we are. Let's tell them what we are. Let's let's be open yeah. with them and let's tell them that we are space travelers and 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 uh, yeah. as as much as they can understand. But and, again, I think the fact that this is a proto-Vulcan culture, whatever that means, meaning one that is very intelligent, very scientifically, you know, examined. Again, he he logics, you know, Noria into what, you know, understanding what he is, you know, you know, that whole like, well, if you saw one, you know, and he kind of Socratics her into figuring it out. And, you know, she gets most of the way there. You know, she still doesn't understand this death until she sees it. But, yeah, they're all capable of understanding it. You know, we're, 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 the implication is that the entire village gets as much as they need to know. Yeah, from and, this and, and, and I mean, gets it. And I mean, go back even further. I mean, go back to like the first season with Justice. I mean, there there's some resonances of that here, where you have a woman being beamed up to the ship who sees her planet, and there's a god being in Justice. Of course, it's it's not Picard. Uh, it's a much lesser episode than this one because I think the sh- you know this is a this is the way to do that episode that actually yeah. makes sense you know that that is and this is again is 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 the show realizing that what we need to do is we don't need to have these external sort of like conflicts we need to make sure that this is coming from the characters and yeah. you know you can see a version of this episode that is much more like Justice than it is who watches the Watchers and that's not really yeah. what, this up that's not really what the show is interested in doing at this point and i think it's it's to the show's credit that it's realized that nine bows bows you're giving it sure i'm gonna give it eight rolls of cloth okay what what was like he gives him like a table runner at the end yeah i do (laughs) and i do have to say 
the 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 fact that Riker and and Troy just kind of go down and like hang out. Uh, you know, it's uh, like, they're like so shitty at like, well, their father and daughter, they must have the same. It was like, Troy, are you even trying here, lady? Yeah. But I love her scene when they when she's like, are there? Mm hmm. And Data apparently doesn't understand that at all. <laughs> you know, it's one of those rare examples, I think, of the show doing comedy and doing it well. Like, yeah. It's just nice to see that Riker and Troy are kind of fuck-ups in this episode and they you know everyone is kind of a fuck-up in this episode well, this it. is like, a fuck-up episode again, we've seen troy fuck up when she was talking to the oil slick she fucked up you know there's there's i think it's interesting and it, it does show these characters as extremely competent they are a level material you know they are the best of the best and even they are in a hundred percent they make mistakes yeah, and I think that's, you know, to 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 go back even further, you know, to talk about Encounter at Farpoint again. I mean, they do make mistakes, and this yeah. is a mistake that they make, and humans are going to make mistakes. And, you know, the Starfleet and the Federation are going to make mistakes, and, and what they realize is that you can't try not to make mistakes. Yeah. You just need to make sure that you, if you're going to make mistakes, you need to understand why you're making them and how to fix them. Yeah, that's it. It's your response. Sometimes the next mistake is an accident. Sometimes the mistake's not even your fault. Right. Sometimes you just do the right thing. You know, sometimes you do the wrong thing for the right reason. Sometimes the information that you have suggests one course of action. It's your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what's our responsibility to watch next week? Good segue. I like it. Next week we're watching The Bonding, which is an interesting episode for one very important reason, which I will tell you about next week. No. And uh, Booby Trap. Is it about traps? It's about boobies. Ugh. I'll see you then.